Good morning, everyone. So, yeah, my, na- my name is Ruth. I think Nathan said that a few times. Um, uh, I've been part of this church for nearly 21 years. Uh, I came here to go to university, but I, of course, I was only eight at the time. Um, yes, so it is a privilege and honour to, to bring God's word to you this morning. Um, I was so encouraged by Ray's testimony this morning. Um, as a, so in my day job and part of my everyday world, I'm the general manager for eye care services at the local hospital. So if you'd like to come to my waiting room and pray for my patients, that would be really great. It would reduce my backlogs tremendously. Thank you. Um, but part of being together as a family in our everyday worlds, and that is our, our theme for this morning, means that we get to share in each other's stories. So I'm going to be using that testimony this week, um, you know, as I'm talking with people. And it came up this week, it transpired that a colleague that I sit opposite every single day went to school with Abigail Lloyd came up in conversation, they were in the same school production together, and I said, oh, do you know Abigail's story from a few years ago? And she said, yeah. And even though she said, yeah, I chose to repeat in my clear communicative voice so that anyone within earshot could hear the miraculous testimony of Abigail Lloyd. For those of you who don't know, she suffered a severe head injury a couple of years ago, which caused swelling in her brain. And despite multiple treatments and therapies, this swelling would not go down. And the doctors gave Abigail a terminal prognosis that she would not survive beyond Easter. And this was Easter 2020. And we were approaching Easter And she was beginning to deteriorate, her body and her functions were beginning to shut down. And so, of course, we prayed and we stood. And Abigail went, she woke up one morning and she had an appointment at the hospital, but she felt different. Something felt different. So she went to the hospital and she said, you need to scan my brain again. Now, can I just say you as a responsible NHS employee, please don't just come and say, you need to scan my brain. MRIs are expensive, okay? This is not America. We don't do them just for fun. But Abigail is quite persistent, um, as we know, and so they did scan her head again, and the swelling had gone, and she recovered, and she was completely healed, and that terminal diagnosis was stopped in its tract. And I like to, to share these stories with people, and my friend went, yeah, it is a miracle, and I'm like, we're preaching the gospel right now, and you don't even know it. So having these stories that we share is just, it's not just nice, it's not just brilliant to share. It is vital that we, we can demonstrate, we can show people the incredible, miraculous power of the God that we serve. Um, and that's what I love about being family together in our everyday worlds. Because when we leave this building, apart from the fact that we're not co-located, nothing changes. Our commission and our mission and our togetherness is exactly the same. We just happen to be in different places. Which is the summary of my message. So I could end it there, but we're going to carry on for a little bit longer. So we are going to look in the Bible. Um, We're going to look at um, a book in the Bible called Corinthians. There are two books, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. Corinthians was written by a gentleman by the name of Paul, who wrote quite a bit of the New Testament, and it is a letter uh, to a church in a place called Corinth. So we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians, and it is chapter 12. And I'm going to be reading from the message. I love the message. So the message is a paraphrase version of the Bible. It's not a direct translation. And I find the message really helps me. It's very easy sometimes if I'm reading my new international version or my new living version to just get swept away 
the language in the message really brings it home. It's very modern and it catches me out and I love that. Um, So we're reading from the message. So we're going to start at verse 4. We're going to jump through a little bit, but Mel is on it. She has a screenshot, you're going to be fine, of my notes. So let's just follow along. We're going to start at verse 4. So God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and to all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful. Wise counsel, clear understanding, simple trust, healing the sick, miraculous acts, proclamation, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. Anyone done tongues and interpretation in the workplace recently? Maybe that's one thing we don't do everywhere, you know, but let's be ready for it in our homes, certainly. All these gifts have a common origin, but are handed out one by one by the one spirit of God. He decides who gets what and when. You can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It is exactly the same with Christ. So jumping down to verse 14, I want you to think about how this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If foot said, I'm not elegant like hand embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body. Would that make it so? If ear said, I'm not beautiful like eye, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head. Would you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all eye, how could it hear and how weird would it look? (laughs) If all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. And then jumping down finally to verse 25. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. You are Christ's body. That is who you are. And that is the real key, I think, for us this morning. Church and being together and being Jesus' body is who we are. And I think if we can grasp that, there are a lot of things that become suddenly much simpler for us. We can't physically always be together. Uh, I'm sure Sarah might like some help harvesting her raspberries in her garden, but I'm pretty sure we wouldn't all fit. We might all like to go and see the chicks at Paul and Lynn's house, but again, we can't always all be there together. There are day-to-day bits and pieces that we need to go and do to, to live in, the, in this world as we do. We can't always be together. 
There are things that we do. We have gatherings. And Dan spoke a few weeks ago on the importance of the gathering and prioritising the gathering. And this is not a marital dispute that we're having out on a platform. Um, He's for the gathering and I'm for the everyday world. You get both and. It's a complementary thing. I wholeheartedly agree with prioritising the gathering. And I hope he wholeheartedly agrees with how important it is to be together in our everyday world. Thank you. They all go together. And like I said, nothing changes when we leave this building or we finish Family Hub and go home or when we've done space or whatever it is we've done. Nothing changes. We're still together. Because it said in that beginning of that passage, everything comes from God. It all comes from the same spirit. And it's not a physical location that makes us any more powerful. Because God's power, his strength, his capacity to inspire hope, his capacity to do miracles through us and in us is not limited by the resource and the restriction of this building. In fact, there is so much more for us to do outside of this building. There are wonderful things that happen in this building. I am not dissing Jubilee Centre or anything that happens here. But we can't all be here every day during the week. But do you know what? When we go out, it's when this body that we've read about here in Corinthians, that's when we go into action. This is not a piece of Lego that comes together. We put our Lego together and, oh, someone's not here today, so we'll swap them out here. And then we go out and the Lego comes to pieces. And then we put it back together again on a Sunday morning. When we leave here, when we go out from here, it's not going home, we go out from here that body really, really gets to do its work, gets to do its functions. So, some of Jesus' last words, we read in a book called Matthew. Matthew was the name of the guy who wrote the book. And his last words um, in that book come in chapter 28. And it's it's, um, some words that many of us will know quite well. It's called the Great Commission. And it's where Jesus gives us very simply in one sentence what it is that we are to do now that he has done what he did on the cross and we are free and in relationship with Jesus. What it is that we're to do? We're to go out and we're to make disciples, teaching and preaching, baptising them in the name of the Holy Spirit. To go and make disciples. From that moment, the church was commissioned and sent out. So when it comes to Monday morning or the morning after hub or whatever it has been, we are sent, we are not scattered It's a sending of Holy Spirit power, of God's presence in us, of God's word in us, into Huddersfield, Halifax, Lindley, Brockholes, the Holm Valley, Honley, Slawit or Slaithwaite, depending on your preference. Wherever it is that we find ourselves, we are sent to that place. Whatever it is we find ourselves doing, we are sent to that place sent into our everyday worlds to teach what Jesus has taught us and to do what Jesus has done. And we can read about that in the Bible. Every time we leave a gathering, we should be a little bit clearer on what our commission is. We should be a little bit more in love with Jesus and want to tell other people about what he's done. We should, we should see and feel his power and his presence and his miracle. So don't forget about Ray's son's testimony of his eye. Remember that one. Write that one down. Next time you see someone with an eye problem, tell them, I have a friend and he prayed and his son's eye was healed and the doctors could find nothing wrong. Remember these things because it brings credit 
to God. It shows people just how amazing he is. And we all have our own individual stories that we can share as well. This body that we're part of, the church, we live and we breathe and we speak 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We don't go our separate ways only to be reacquainted a week later because it's habit or we have a gap in our social calendar or because we particularly like the coffee here, contentious issue, or because we get 45 minutes of free childcare once a week, most weeks. It is because, no, we exist at church at all times and in all places because, as it says in 1 Corinthians 12, it is who we are. We are gifts and ministries. We, are, we have power. We are united in Christ. We are beloved sons and daughters of Father God. And we are empowered whew, by the Holy Spirit. They all went like this at the back. They went, I don't know what that was. It is who we are. It's really easy to think about this is what we do. Well, we do church. We do Sunday mornings. We do hub. We do other things. But actually, if we can really get a grip on it is who we are, that's when there is so much opportunity and so much power available. I believe if we can really understand this, if we can really make this real, if we can get it into every fibre of our being, into our spirits, into our minds, into our thinking and our speaking, that who we are is church. Because that's what together is, isn't it? It's, it's church. If we can get a grip on that, it will not be hard to prioritise the gathering, because then it isn't about me. If we can really understand this is who we are, the church, the body of Christ. This is who we are. It's not hard to prioritise the gathering because it's not about you anymore. It's about everybody else, what you can give to them, what you can bring to them, how you can love them, how you can care for them. In the same way that when we go out from here, it's who we are. And we have our commission, we have our sending to the places that we go. And this whole prioritisation and this clash of priorities becomes very simple because it becomes a value thing of this is who I am. Um, Trevor Lloyd spoke last week about contending, this word contending for things. And I've had to contend for this word. I've known about this, for, in fact I think I said I wanted to speak on this. And I've been thinking about this for a few months and it's been really hard to put pen to paper. In fact, I was sat at eight o'clock this morning, still in bed, still writing things down. It's been really hard. I've had to contend in the spirit for this world. And I was thinking about this and God said to me, it's because this is so important. Because as long as we're in here, the enemy, well, he's got us contained, hasn't he? We have an enemy and he is, to, he is here to deceive us and to destroy what we, or attempt to destroy what God is doing, and he speaks lies to us. And if he can keep us contained in our building or in our hubs, well, then there's very little damage that we can do. There's very little that we can do to overcome him. And so there are lies and deceptions that he can speak and that he can instill in us. And it's so important that we come back to what this looks like here so that we can speak truth to those lies and we can actually move in that fullness of power that we see in here. 
I'm constantly, we talk about the church, I'm constantly drawn back to Acts 2.42, that passage that we've read so many times. They were all together in one place and they sold what they had and they gave it to the poor and they met in the temple and they saw miraculous acts and powers and every day they saw added to the number those who were being saved. That's the Ruth Lush paraphrase. That is what I want to see. That is what church should look like. It looks, like, it looks different to us now because we have different work paces. We don't all, you know, at those times they lived very close together. They interacted day by day. We're spread out geographically. We have transport and we have all kinds of things that means that we spread out. But what God wants us to do is exactly the same and in exactly the same way. And when we, pri- when we get this value of it's who we are, those things become a lot simpler And I think there is a challenge coming to us. And God's been speaking to me about radical simplicity. And Trevor spoke the other week about holiness and and beginning to the the teachers and the preachers and the prophets and the leadership team were beginning to talk about what's God saying for the autumn term, if you like. And there is going to be this challenge of what does church and what do us as Christians look like in a culture that's all about me and it's all about consuming. There is that challenge coming. And if you, if you listen out for it, it's there. Because I believe that there is a wave of revival coming, but it's not going to come when we're so consumed with the busyness of this life. It's going to come when we see what's in the word and we want to see that wherever we go. And that's going to require us to lay things down, to sacrifice things, to reprioritize things. And that sounds and feels very challenging. But ultimately, when my eyes are fixed on Jesus and he is the entirety of all that I can see and he is what I think about, what I dream about, what I talk about, then that doesn't become quite so difficult anymore because I'm captured by a vision of Jesus. And when there is a group of people captured by that vision of Jesus, and we call that the church, how powerful is that? How incredible is that? And there comes a time, there is coming a time where we're really going to have to stand by what we see in the world together as a people to see change in this place. When we, leave, when we live our lives fully saturated in the reality that church is who we are, then it isn't going to be hard to do good to those in the household of faith. I can't remember the reference for that, but there is a verse in the Bible that says, somewhere in the New Testament, I want to say Hebrews, looking at Charlie, do good to those in the household of faith. Somewhere, it's in there somewhere, we'll find it. It isn't hard to do that when we've got that value of church is who we are. It isn't hard to put aside your plan to catch up on your Netflix series and to go to someone's house with a bunch of flowers and a packet of biscuits when church is who we are, when caring for each other and doing good is who we are. I want to remind us of a prophetic word that Lynn Kern brought back on the 27th of March. I had to go down a bit of a Facebook video rabbit hole to find this one. I watched a lot of our meetings from uh, the last few months last night. Um, But this is Lynn's word from the 27th of March. And she brought a word about buying bricks and building them into the family, building them into the church. 
And she shared that picture of the family who lived in the single-storey, one-roomed house. And with the money they had left over at the end of the week, they would go and buy bricks. And they would immediately build those bricks that they had, which I would only imagine to be one, two, or three. They would immediately build them into the house. They wouldn't stockpile them and say, we'll build this when we've got everything we need. They bought their bricks and they built them into the house. And then encouraged us to find these bricks and to build them into the house. And there might be a word, something you've read in the Bible, a prophecy that you've heard, an encouragement that someone gave you. It might be a, some praise or some worship, a particular worship song that really speaks to you, that really meets you where you're at right now. Take that as a brick and build it into your life. So let's make this church. So take that brick and build it into somebody else's life. I love it when people send me a text message and going, I was li- Jessica does this. I was listening to this worship song and it made me think of you. I love it when I get a message like that. Or other people share different pictures. Or God said this to me through this scripture. Take that brick from someone else and build it into your life. And if you've got a brick, we'll share it with someone else and help them, disciple them, make a disciple and build it into their life and doing that with my colleague at work we're going to talk some more about miracles I'm going to tell us some more about things that have happened because the church prayed take those bricks and build them into people's life and Lynn talked about it was a bit of a a throwaway comment at the end but you said if your life feels like a tarpaulin slung between I don't know two trees or something like that still take a bit a brick and build it into your life And that song, Foundations, that we're going to sing again as a a response, as a way to consolidate what God said to us this morning. When we feel like we're in ruins, it's easy to withdraw, it's easy to step back, but actually there is so much power and there is so much blessing. And gee, the bricks, they are quality bricks when you contend for those bricks in that time of hardship. They are the most incredible foundation stones to build into your life. And for some of you, you might think, yeah, but I, I, need, I need to have everything I need before I start. So a good baker, let's go for a cooking example. A good baker will gather all that they need from their cupboards before they start baking. I tend to start baking and I think, oh, I'm pretty sure we've got all of this. And we get probably as far as creaming the butter and the sugar. And then Phoebe has to go to the shop because we're out of eggs. It's brilliant when you can send them to the shop on their own, isn't it? Could you just go and fetch? So then she'll go and get some eggs. Do you know what? We can, we can go with what we've got. God's power is so immeasurable. If you've got two bricks, build them in. Don't wait until you think you're where you should be. Don't wait until you think you've got what you need. Start with what you have right now and build it in. Build it in. Even if it is that revelation of Jesus loves me. Build that into your life and build it into somebody else's life. Because as we sang in that song, we might feel like we're in ruins. And we might feel like, as part of the church, we haven't got a lot to give. And we draw on other people. And that's great. We need to do that. But the commission is for all of us. It doesn't say go into the nations unless you've got something else going on. Unless work is a bit busy right now. Unless your kids are at that really challenging stage. And so far in 12 and a half years of parenting, I haven't found a stage that isn't challenging. Sorry. Um, I'm in trouble. Um, You've got to build those bricks in straight away. 
and build them in in the tough times and build them into other people's lives in the tough times.